and sounds. Built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work back Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. you know and trust is now angie and we're so much more than just a list we still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly we can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish so remember angie's list is now angie and we're here to get your job done right get started at angie.com that's a-n-g-i or download the app today Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I've always been partial to the saying, in vino veritas, in wine, there is truth. Well, while that may be true when it comes to late night confessions, it's not necessarily true when it comes to the wine label. Outside of the percent alcohol by volume, there are very few regulations around what the winemaker has to disclose to you, the drinker. And over the past five years, we've seen this huge increase in natural wine. The term seems to signify that the wine you're about to sip is untouched and unhindered by additives or anything else. And the term has definitely developed a bit of a cult following. Devotees swear by it, and the sector is growing very fast. But like most things in the capital W wellness, and for that matter, wine industries, it can be hard to distinguish marketing from the truth. I'm Ella Dove, Director of Creative Development here at Well and Good, wine lover and skeptic. On today's episode, we're going to answer a few questions about natural wine. Isn't wine already natural? What does drinking natural wine actually mean? Why is natural wine connected to wellness? It's still wine. And is it worth the hype? But first, let's try and agree on a definition. What is natural wine? So natural wine is a kind of philosophy that wine should be consumed at its purest form. That's Michelle Chen, lawyer and certified sommelier. So the whole saying is nothing added, nothing taken away. And it ties into organic wine in the fact that natural wines start with organic grapes. In addition to organic winemaking, you want to make sure that there are no additives added to the wine. So natural wines would be no pesticides, no herbicides, and no additives. Natural wines can also be biodynamic. And with biodynamic wine, it's organic wine, but with an added element of kind of following the lunar calendar. They kind of have create their own compost and the application follows this other process that um, is a lot more complex, but natural wines can encompass both organic and biodynamic. Here's how Todd White, founder of Dry Farm Wines, defines it. 
Natural wine is always organically or biodynamically grown. Number two, natural wines are always fermented with wild native yeast. And number three, they're additive free. And when we asked journalist Megan Krigbaum to define natural wine, she was quick to point out just how complicated doing so actually is. This is a loaded question because plenty of publications and winemakers and wine thinkers have tried to harness the answer to this question, but there are lots of differing thoughts and there is not an actual definition that anyone has to ascribe to. But there's been so much press about it, right? I've gotten to travel a lot for wine and I was visiting a winemaker in Italy a couple years ago and he was showing me this little vineyard where he practices biodynamics and he was questioning the idea of using copper, which it's fully acceptable to spray copper in vineyards to protect your vines. And there's been a larger discussion in the wine world as to whether we're putting too much copper into our soil, that it's a heavy metal, that maybe it's not a great idea to be spraying copper. So he's testing out different oils, different natural oils, cinnamon, orange oil, seeing if those will work in the same way that the copper does to reduce mold or bacteria in his vineyards and to to sort of help the plants along a little bit. And I just think that's amazing. I think that that is such a cool story. But I being able to talk with people about how they're thinking about what they're making is really cool. And so I think that the consumer is interested in these stories too. And I Maybe not about the copper versus cinnamon oil, but it is it is amazing to think about where something comes from. And sommeliers and retailers are having the opportunity to tell these stories more and more. And so as a natural wine and the stories of these you know tiny farmers who are tilling their land with horses become more widespread, I think that that is something that the consumer is interested in. I think it's also, again, tied back to the idea of eating organic foods. So I would say, broadly speaking, natural wine is made with organic grapes, made with natural yeast, and made using very minimal intervention in the wine cellar. By intervention, I mean very few additives when it comes to chemicals, particularly sulfites is something that comes up a lot in natural wine. As a member of the press, <laughs> we've been covering natural wine a lot over the past few years. And as a writer, I am most interested in the stories of wine. So I'm interested in the people behind them, the thought processes. People like Todd. I created Dry Farm Wines not as a business. I was really on a personal mission. I was noticing how bad wine was making me feel. Now, I've been drinking wine since I was nine years old. I've been a lifelong wine aficionado. I don't like alcohol, but I love wine. So I started searching for initially lower alcohol wines. And then quite by accident, uh, I stumbled upon an American who was living in Paris at the time, who was importing wines from France that happened to also be lower alcohol, but I noticed that the wines were remarkably better tasting and I felt better drinking them. And I was kind of mystified, so I called him in Paris. And I was like, hey, I've been drinking your wines. They're amazing, but they're hard to find. And can you tell me a little bit about them? He said, well, they're natural wines. And I was like, well, aren't all wines natural? And he's like, no, in fact, they're not. If you want to know more about it, there's a natural wine fair in London 
you know, in a couple of months that you can come to and you can meet a lot of natural wine growers. There's only about a thousand in the world. Most of them are spread across Europe, a handful in South America, and there are five in South Africa. I went to London to this natural wine fair and started educating myself about natural wines. And I lived in Napa Valley, so I had made wine before. I knew something about it. I knew about wine labs and analogy. So I started subjecting these wines to lab testing. Wine has been made for 9,000 years. It's always been natural. And when the Romans were drinking and the Stoics were drinking, all those wines were natural. It's always been natural until the last few decades. What happened to wine started happening 40 or 50 years ago, really, with the advent of these chemicals and additives to create a more stable environment for the wine to be made in much larger volumes because the companies that are manufacturing them want to make them faster and cheaper, not better and healthier, right? This is the same thing that's happened in our food supply. And in order to make wine in these quantities, you have to use chemicals and additives. There are 76 additives approved by the FDA for the use in winemaking. Some of them are natural. Some of them are also animal products. So if you're a vegan, you care about those. We don't allow the use of these products. Our, all of our wines are, of course, 100% vegan. Another thing we test for is alcohol because we want to be certain that it's a lower alcohol product. We sell wines between 6% and 12.5%. Most of the wines I drink are around 9 or 10% alcohol. So we don't sell any wines over 12.5%. Average American wine is around 15% today. That doesn't, 12, the difference between 12 and 15% doesn't sound like a lot, but I promise you it's a huge, huge difference in how you feel. But is there a big difference in how we feel? And do our other experts agree that they get less hungover from natural wine? Many natural wines are lower in alcohol than conventional wines, so you might be able to get an extra half glass out of it. I don't know. I know that there are many, I have had many sommeliers who are natural wine advocates say to me, and I don't feel sick when I wake up the next morning and I, either their body is better at processing that than mine is, or they're just kind of brushing over it. My answer to that is completely anecdotal because... I personally find that it gives me less of a hangover, and there's science to back that up. It could be the usage of wild yeast, reducing some things that can typically give you a headache. It's not going to be sulfites because a very small percentage of people actually have sulfite sensitivity. So a big contributor to headache in the morning hangover is the sugar. And so with a lot of budget wines, they're going to have a lot of added sugar. And natural wines, they don't do that. Megan explains. Let's start back Wine's made from grapes, and grapes have sugar in them at the very beginning. Like, so you start with something that has quite a bit of sugar in it when, when you harvest grapes. And it, they have so much sugar in them that, and this leads into the natural wine discussion, that the yeast that's just sitting on the outside of the skin of the grape is actually able to start fermentation because it's just so hungry for the sugar that's inside the grape juice. So if you allow wine to fully ferment for for all those little yeast cells to like go crazy and chow through all that sugar, you'll end up with a dry wine. Um, if you make it so that they cannot consume all of the sugar in the grape juice, you'll end up with an off dry wine. If you're not in some places, if they're not able to get the level of alcohol that they want in a wine, so in, in some really cold places of the world, um, 
grapes will not get fully ripe. They won't get as ripe as you would want them to get necessarily or as the winemaker would want them to get. And so there's something called chaptalization, which is kind of the dirty little secret of the wine world, which is you add a little bit of sugar in so that there is more sugar for the yeast to consume and then can run through it. But at the end of the day, chaptalizing is not meant to sweeten the wine at all. It is meant to provide more food for those yeast cells to then convert into alcohol. In addition to sugar, another talking point around the way wine makes us feel is often about sulfates which get a bad rep as the cause of those hangover headaches. Sulfites are a natural byproduct of fermentation. So every wine, any wine that has gone through the fermentation process will have a small amount of sulfites in it. There's been a lot of study as to whether sulfites cause headaches, whether it's possible to be allergic to sulfites, whether they're detrimental to us in any way. But what we know for certain is that sulfites are a preservative. And so because we have this big globe shipping wine all over the place. Wine goes through lots of temperature fluctuation. Ideally, it doesn't, but odds are when going from the winery to the truck, to the boatyard, to the shipping container across the sea, into the harbor in New York, and then into New Jersey in some storage place, and that there's going to be some temperature fluctuation, and the sulfites at a certain level will keep a wine just the way it was when it left the winery. If they're not there, the wines are not as stable. And so it's very possible that the wine that you had when you were tasting around in the Loire Valley is going to taste dramatically different when you get it in San Francisco. Just because it says contains sulfites doesn't mean it's bad for you because it actually prevents bacterial growth. So you absolutely need it for preservation. Natural wines, you are allowed to add some sulfites, but there's a pretty hard cutoff of how much you can add to it. That's essentially to stop the wine from tasting kind of like a barnyard, or it, to me, smells like a hamster cage. That's what we call funk. It could be, you know, the barnyardy smell, or it could be just anything that's not very fruity and, and doesn't fall in the conventional wine category. Adding that is absolutely necessary. The undercurrent for a lot of the praise that natural wine gets is that it's better for you. And this is an idea that we really wanted to put under a lot of scrutiny. Are people just saying the things they want us to hear? Last week, I was reading an article in the Times about how coffee is good for you. And I was thinking about this in the context of natural wine because I read, you know, six months ago about how coffee is terrible for you and you shouldn't, you know, it will kill you. So it's either going to give you longevity or it's going to kill you off. <laughs> I, I, it all has alcohol in it. All in wine has alcohol in <laughs> so it. Yeah. Just, all wine has alcohol in it in the end. I think in a moment where we are all trying to eat foods that come from better places where organic foods and are really important and are taking control of our grocery stores. I think that make drinking wines made from, from fruit that hasn't been showered in chemicals is great. We're all trying to eat more conscientiously and trying to think about what we're doing to the land. We see that from all different perspectives, from water to climate change to you know, just the health of not eating something that's been doused in chemicals. So I think globally, there's a movement towards eating more healthfully and 
globally, there's a movement towards using fewer chemical interventions. Outside of the health claims, what are the other reasons people are excited about natural wines? Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. sustainability is becoming a focus point in our purchasing decisions. There's something very natural and pure and unpretentious about natural wine. That is kind of where Gen Zs and millennials are gravitating towards. And so even if it means more unconventional flavor profile, it could be the ideologies behind it. It could be the fact that it's unfiltered, mostly just the shift in our purchasing decision. So as Megan, is natural wine better for the planet? Yeah, it is. It is definitely better for the planet. And what's cool about natural wine right now is that I think when this movement really started, and this has been a movement that's been going on for centuries, but definitely in the last 50 years, I would say there's been more emphasis placed on farming in a way that will allow for more healthful grapes and allow for the earth to get along better in the end. And we're also seeing natural wine for so long was a conversation about what was happening in the cellar. Were you putting sulfites in? What were you doing there? Were you using a lab? Were you not going to the lab with your, with little samples? Were you staying on top of, you know, any sorts of bacteria or things that could have been in your wine? Now, all of that is crucially important, but the thought processes surrounding farming and the conversations about this are so much more insightful. And we're seeing a real tide change, even in more conventional wineries, starting to look to farm organically, farm even more sustainably. And it is way better. So much better, in fact, that Todd named his product, his whole company, in fact, after the dry farming style of wine. Dry farming means farming without irrigation. And the reason that that's important for a whole bunch of different reasons. But first of all, just on the 90,000 acres of vineyards that our small family farms grow wine on, saves over a billion gallons of water a year. So water is not necessary to grow a grapevine anywhere on the planet. It's not necessary to irrigate a grapevine anywhere in the world. There are grapevines grown all over the world in very harsh conditions without irrigation. Probably the best example that people would know quite well is, say, Sicily, which is an island off the coast of Italy. It's a volcanic island. It's quite small. It's very, very hot. And the soil there is very, very rocky. 
very, very dry, hot place. But grapes are grown there without irrigation. All across Greece, the same thing. So this irrigation is really about making fruit cheaper and faster that weighs more. The other problem with the irrigated grapevine is its access to minerality, and it's, it's, which affects both its taste and the quality of the fruit. An unirrigated grapevine can have mature root structures that can run 20 or 30 feet deep and across because the vine is in constant struggle and search for both nutrient and moisture. An irrigated grapevine gets all of its nutrient from this little tube above the trunk and also where it gets its water source. So it makes for a lazy vine. You know, I love the proverb, to feel is to understand. People know how they feel. Natural wine's not going to become the wine industry, but there's probably a couple million people who really care about it. And for those people, they'll continue to make better choices. So as we begin our own wine journeys... How can we figure out what we like when it comes to the taste of wine we consume and still keep the planet in mind? I think people should begin their wine journey by A, figuring out what flavor profile they like. So how they take their coffee um, is a really good indicator. If you like it, you know, with sugar, then you probably obviously like sweet wines. If you like it with milk, you probably don't want a lot of the tannin component to it. You probably want a little more rounded flavor. So you might want oak. Kind of just pay attention to not giving into what you think are wine rules, because there are no rules, really. I think it's just to be open about what you like, not being critical to yourself, not listening to others, because chances are, whatever it is that person is saying, it's not true. People will say, oh, I hate oaky Chardonnay because um, they think they're supposed to, because they think it makes them sound like they're wine experts. They'll say, I hate Merlot, having never tried Merlot, or they love Zinfandel or, you know, or other wines with similar flavor profile. It's just to not give into these kind of sayings and, and rules that are out there and just trying what they like and start with something that's palatable, even if it's embarrassing for some, it's just going to be sweeter wines, as long as it resembles wine. There are some wines that really try to not taste like wine and don't do that because it'll be really hard to move out of that category. So start with something palatable for you and then add an extra component that's a little harder to get used to, whether it's acidity, whether it's tannins, whether it's more like phenolic compound, like the bitterness and things like that. And just adding a little component each time until you can drink or figure out what you like. We are at a point where there are so many sommeliers and so many wine retailers that care about natural wine and sort of carry the flag for natural wine, that these are questions we can ask the ex experts all the time when we are in their shops or in their restaurants. And I, I think using those people is really important, especially when it comes to natural wine, so that when you're ordering something off a wine list, if it does have some funkiness to it or a little bit of prickliness from sugar that was left there or whatever, you can say, I want a wine that's not this way, or I want a wine with a bunch of funk. Like some people really like a really funky orange wine. That's great. Get what you want, you know? But we can ask these experts who are tasting the wines and making these choices. All right, what's my takeaway from this episode? My skepticism was half right. While natural wine might not be the key to avoiding hangovers forever, it is a more transparent and sustainable style of winemaking that's better for the planet and potentially the drinker. 
or at least we know it's going into the bottle and that can be better for us. If you love natural wine, you do you. I still love it. At the end of the day, like most things, the key to well-being is finding what works for you, whether that's the style of wine you enjoy or the perfect ratio of wine glasses to water glasses to wake up feeling fresh the next day. On today's show, you heard from Michelle Chen, Megan Kirkbaum, and Todd White. This episode was scripted in part by Suzanne Cloris and produced by Taylor Camille, Abby Stone, and myself, Ella Dove, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel, and our theme music was created by Madeline Lekomsky and Matt DiDomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenny Gibson and Karina Masonette. And we dropped a few of our favorite wines in the description below.